0: Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Pat Whalen.
1: Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. All right, our second bonus episode before we kick off uh, phase two
0: uh pat how you doing i'm good mike how you doing i am doing well it's
1: been a long time it has we have
0: not seen each other since about five minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) all right so today this episode we are going
1: to be talking about the history of marvel studios it's going to be again a brief overview uh because we obviously can't get into it is in its entirety, and we want to keep this episode under 30 minutes because yes. it's definitely a, a bite-sized portion of uh, YAMP, I guess,
0: is what, what I want to say there. Yeah. yeah. So but it's it's important to what we talk about with the movies sure. and the, the, the shows and everything else that happens. A-
1: absolutely. And a lot of the stuff you might have heard already, like with the history of Marvel Comics, you might actually... Here's some stuff here that we talked about already on that bonus episode, yeah. but it it's just kind of like a more concentrated effort to just give you a little bit more background in terms of where we're coming from, what we what we reference. So, Pat,
0: I guess why don't you start us off. Well, we're not going to start at the beginning. Oh, again, when we talked. No, we're not going to start at the oh, beginning. Okay, good. Because if we started at the beginning, we'd have to go all the way back to Marvel Comics history, which we did in our Weird. last episode. So check that out.
1: Exactly. Nice. We're going
0: to actually pick up in the mid 1990s. Mid 90s. Okay. And, so I'm
1: going to go back though at some point and yes. just kind of
0: reference when we when you're done with this. Okay. It. All right. Go. So ahead. Anyway, so we're going to go back to the mid 90s when Marvel was filing for bankruptcy. After a comic book boom went bust, they were running out of cash, and a company named Toy Biz, may have heard of them, creator of toys yes, and action figures, decided to acquire Marvel. Because the best way to market your toys is through movies and cartoons. And who had the movies and the cartoons IP? Marvel. So as a result of that, once the acquisition happened, they launched Marvel Films, and later Marvel Productions with New World Animation. Uh, If you remember from our last episode, New World Group had taken over uh, the Marvel Entertainment Group. They became the parent company that brought Marvel public Mm -hmm. through various distributors. They released early 90s animated series, X-Men, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, things that you'll see all on Disney Plus now. Oh, very nice. (laughs) But you may remember (laughs) on UPN or Fox. UPN. Maybe nice. We are dating ourselves with this one.
1: Remember UPN? You remember when Buffy moved to the UPN for the last two seasons? Yeah. They weren't that good. But I, still, I remember
0: when I still Smallville was on WB, and then the next year was the CW. Yeah, I remember. Ugh, UPN. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so while this was all happening, in order to stave off the bankruptcy, which spoilers didn't actually happen, it didn't. They 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 survived. <laughs> Filed for bankruptcy but as we know in the corporate world filing for bankruptcy is just pressing restart nice must be nice it is (laughs) so they sold a bunch of the movie and licensing rights to sony fox universal to you know they would collect fees off of that they you know able to help them kind of buoy themselves up a little bit didn't really work but they once they they came out of bankruptcy with Toy Biz and everything, they helped launch Marvel Studios as part of it. It was a second arm of the new Marvel Comics, Marvel Entertainment Group.
1: So now I have, in 96, Fox bought New World Communication. Yeah. Okay, and then they incorporated Marvel Studios and Marvel Films, and then they appointed Stanley chairman of Marvel Studios in 97.
0: Yes, Yes. so they appointed Stanley chairman emeritus at the time, and part of that was because... And we, we touched on it in the last episode that the IP for comics is incredibly valuable. But what they never did was pay the creators appropriately. So if we go back to our last episode when we talk about the launch of Superman, the first superhero, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel, they created the character. I think they sold him for like $300, the equivalent of $300 to Dude. DC. And they worked on the property for a little while longer. But you know, once DC kind of booted him off, they booted him off. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have any control anymore on Superman. And for years and years, they pushed for the right to have their name. You know, it says Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Joe Shuster. And that happened with a ton of characters. Batman with Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Um, And, you know, obviously the Marvel Comics too. The difference with Marvel Comics is they were all created by Stan Lee. He had his hand in just about all the characters that you know we know and love, except for Captain America. That was Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, but Stanley brought him into the Avengers and with Jack Kirby and, and a handful of the other artists at the time. When Superman the movie came out in the seventies, the Richard Donner version, they, you know, it was going to make a boatload of money. Yeah, and it, they were paying. You know, Warner Brothers controlled the character, and they were making the movie for also a boatload of money, Mm -hmm. the original creators weren't getting any of it. So there was a fight over them receiving licensing rights. And so Stan Lee tried to make a similar deal on his characters. And so he at some point had negotiated a 10% licensing right on the characters that he helped create. This is in the 70s. This is in the 70s. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so they agreed on that. And then when they started making the movies and everything in the 90s and the, the 2000s, it didn't really happen. And so there was a fight between Stanley and Marvel. They paid him a big settlement, seven figures or more, and made him this chairman emeritus of the company. He was always a figurehead of Marvel. So that is kind of where the the business side of selling your comics to movie studios works and where the value of them sits a couple other names to note is you want to remember Avi Arad. so Avi Arad was a businessman he was toy business co-founder and he produced basically all of the marvel movies and the early cartoons and everything his name was attached to a lot of these things. So he understood the business of telling these stories and bringing them to the screen. He
1: became the CEO and president
0: of Marvel. Films. Yes, he did. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, so he was heavily involved with Marvel films and the Marvel movies up until about the Incredible Hulk in 2008 when he stepped away and Kevin Feige came in. Right. Um, you know, we... I just want to make sure I'm getting the timeline right. So... The modern Marvel Studios, the one that we know, the one that's launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the one that I think most people are interested in in learning about. The other piece of it is, you know, they made some money off of the X Men movie in the two thousands, which is now twenty years old. Yeah, I know. And you, yeah, you're, you're old. Yeah, I'm old. Yeah, you're old. Oh, well, I'm, um, yeah, but I'm wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Spider, the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. The Fantastic Four movies, those were all licensed out to the their- The first two. The first two. Not the remake, not the Josh Trank one. No, the Josh Trank one was licensed out to Fox. Yeah, but I'm trying to forget that. One. Oh, yeah, we should all forget that one. <laughs> I think we touched on this in the Iron Man episode, but in the early 2000s, Marvel began to realize that they could make a lot of money off of making these projects in-house. Right. Well, the first Marvel Studios movie, correct me if I'm wrong, is Blade. Studios. It was a Marvel Studios, but it was a Marvel. It, that one was sold off to New Line. Okay, so oh, that, was, that
1: wasn't the first one. they. they Marvel have... Studios
0: is like a, a they were a production piece of it. But the Marvel Studios logo is in front of Blade, isn't it? It's in front of like that little. It's in front of Spider-Man too. Oh, you're right. Okay. And X-Men. Right. It's, they're, it, so they're pro- like a production arm. Right. They're not the own. You know, they didn't own. They're the, not what they are now. They're not what they are now. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. So yes, to go back. Marvel Studios had always been involved in the, either the, the cartoons, the animated series, the, and the movies of the late 90s, early 2000s. It was their characters that those other companies were playing with, whether they were distributors or they were the, the actual But they studios. weren't controlling content. They, they weren't, weren't controlling really controlling content. No, right. I mean, they but, might have been used in a advisory role. Tell us a little bit more about this character. Tell yeah. us a little bit about you know who, who this guy is, you know, what they do and everything
1: what's this guy Spider-Man do? What's his deal?
0: <laughs> Give me pictures of Spider-Man. I don't know why we're sounding like we're from Newsies. But, uh. <laughs> um, we're launching a publishing company. <laughs> Give me pictures of Spider-Man. Um, all right. So now we're going to talk about the Marvel Studios that we know. The one that, that has launched the cinematic universe. And that is in the early 2000s. As I've said, Marvel saw the value in Keeping their IP in house, so they brought on a gentleman by the name of David Mizell. He came on as the chief operating officer of Marvel Studios. His background included stints at Boston Consulting Group, Creative Artists Agency, so CAA, Livevent, and Endeavor Talent Agency. So he knew talent, he knew movies, he knew you know the business of putting things together. So there's a really good article, and this is our recommended reading for this week. Ooh. There's a great piece in the Hollywood Reporter on him. Uh, he he had. An older, a couple of years ago. An older, okay. Yeah. It was from a couple of years ago, but he's, you know, he was kind of the guy that didn't get enough credit in putting this together. Mm-hmm. You knew about Avi Arad, you knew about Kevin Feige, you knew about the Disney deal, but you didn't know that where David Mizel sat in all this. So he pitched to Marvel the idea of producing their own films with their own characters. And one thing to note here is had he shown up a couple months later than he did, Marvel may have sold Captain America to warner brothers and thor to sony Oof. yeah so iron man had been licensed to new line cinema new line didn't know what to do with it so the uh rights reverted back to marvel first thing david did was worked on a loan so in april 2005 maizel marvel and merrill lynch agreed on a loan for 525 million dollars to allow the production of any movie up to a budget of 165 million I'd have to go back and check what the original budgets are. I don't know if you have those yeah, in your I, notes I, I, from I the can previous uh, ones. Keep talking and I'll look. So in in order to get this, oh, the other thing they had to do was no movie could be more than PG-13 rated, which is fine. They yeah, never that intended makes sense. to, And I don't think many of the early 2000 movies never were more than PG-13. So that was... That wasn't an issue. So the production budget of Iron Man was one hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah, right the, within the wheelhouse. But that's not—is
1: that the only movie that they had to worry about keeping under?
0: No, it was the first handful of them. Um, I think it may have changed. The agreement changed after Iron Man did so well. But I—I I believe if you look up Incredible Hulk, at least uh, Incredible Hulk was one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So right in that in that range there. So the only risk that Marvel had to put up, they didn't put up any cash. What they had to do was put up a handful of characters as collateral. So if these movies didn't do well, they lost the rights to the characters. And those characters were Ant-Man, The Avengers, Black Panther, Captain America, Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye, Nick Fury, The Power Pack, and Shang-Chi. The Power Pack? We'll get into it when we get to the Big Hero 6 bonus episode.
1: All right. And what's Cloak and Dagger? Not the Dabney Coleman movie from the 80s?
0: No, the show that's on Freeform. Was oh yeah point.
1: that's like a, yeah is that supposed to be a
0: ya yes okay well that's the, the show is just like the runaways do you like the i haven't okay. watched it oh, okay i watched the runaways the runaways is great we'll do a bonus episode on that one oh too. we will
1: that means i gotta watch it pat oh. it's really good it's only like two How seasons long? is that okay if it's only that long or three seasons oh
0: now you're adding a season there are only like 13 episodes a season that's like, a lot that's a commitment pat <laughs> all right <laughs> do it for the brand <laughs> anyway back to marvel and merrill lynch so Marvel put up all these characters as collateral, but Merrill Lynch started to get cold feet and demanded that Marvel put up a third of the production budget on each of the films. With um, the money
1: that they loaned them? Or their own money? Their own
0: money. Okay. And you so, loaned
1: them money because they didn't have any Merrill Lynch.
0: <laughs> right. And so that's when Merrill Lynch was starting to backtrack and be like, well, wait a minute. You know, the 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 Raimi movies were kind of tapering off, X-Men movies were kind of tapering off, and then they were Marvel was about to launch a new wave of superhero movies.
1: Well, that makes sense, too, because they take the loan out in 2005, you said, yep. and they don't even release Iron, Iron Man doesn't come out to 2008.
0: Right. And Incredible Hulk doesn't come out to 2008. So you had two movies going at the same time. Right. Just got handed a boatload of cash. So what they did when, when Merrill Lynch said, we're going to pull back was, um, you know, they pulled back some of the foreign rights from Paramount, who was the distributor. And that's why you'll notice the Paramount logo on the first seven movies was it six
1: yeah we kept uh, we tried to keep
0: track but we haven't remembered but we're not that good Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so what they did was they pre-sold them to distributors in those regions and so they were able to use that money and then fund the third of the movies i i I think in the iron man episode i had said this and i had found an article but i cannot find it again i cannot confirm iron man wasn't included in that initial 10 characters of collateral that were put up and the article had stated that Mer- Merrill Lynch refused to pay for it because they wouldn't have gotten anything from that character. But I cannot find any confirmation from that again. So it's up in the air whether Merrill Lynch, the money went to fund the production of Iron Man. I believe at this time it probably did. I, I would think that some of it did. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't have any other funding, yeah. basically. So Marvel did it. You know, they they went off <laughs> and, and they filmed. And, and, and the interesting thing is four months after Iron Man came out an Incredible Hulk came out, the stock market crashed. Mm-hmm. So Merrill Lynch, all the big banks were in trouble. This is probably one of their better bets that they had made, but it could have derailed had the first two movies not done well, which huh. we know that Iron Man did.
1: It's 2020 vision looking back, but I don't see how you could think it wouldn't do well if you just made it. A, if it wasn't as, even if it was like
0: 65% as good as it was. Yeah. I, I don't see how that would fail. You're taking a shot with Robert Downey Jr. You are, but... Like you're he, taking a shot with a movie that didn't have a completed script. I,
1: well, they all don't, right? Yeah. Nah, I understand. I get you. I get you. It's 2020 vision. I yeah. Understand. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're coming from, but I, I could see where the hesitancy was at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking an actor who kind of was washed up or mm-hmm. perceived as washed up. He'd gotten out of prison. And then you're taking a script on a character that nobody cared about at the time. Yeah. Like Iron Man had gotten a animated series, but he wasn't as big as X-Men. He wasn't as big as Spider-Man. He probably has never been as big as they are, but he's, you know, because of the movies, he's, he's been bumped up into that upper echelon of characters. Yeah. So then, you know, obviously Marvel, Marvel did it. You know, Marvel Studios was a success. <laughs> I like, you're like Marvel did it. That's, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, no, but the last person, gosh darn it, is- they did it. <laughs> shucks um the last person to know is obviously kevin feige who we've discussed ad nauseum in our other episodes he is now the he's the president of marvel studios now correct uh isn't he he, i have here well in 2007 he was promoted from junior
1: executive to president which is quite the jump but isn't he now he's a he's a big part of disney now
0: too what's he
1: oversees star wars He's going to see something. Is. Yes. Yeah. I think
0: Star Wars. Um, but he started his career working for Laura Shuler, mm-hmm. uh, wife of Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. She had uh, produced everything from Superman to X-Men. So she was she was in on the superhero boom. She knew how to produce them, knew how to tell their stories. Yeah, they were his mentor. Yes. Her mentors. It's, yes. Absolutely. And so she um, because she was producing X-Men brought him on as an associate producer because he was a nerd. He knew the characters and he knew the <laughs> knowledge of the Marvel comic universe. You characters. nerd. So he was helping. <laughs> you called him that. I did. I think he called himself that. So he that's was able fine. to help with um, with the characters and then as you said, seven years later, he became president of Marvel Studios, which is like if we could only get that type of... That's a big jump. That's a big jump.
1: So 2009, Disney buys them. Now I yes. told you that... this—that's can not That's 11 years ago, but I told you that Marvel Studios is worth seventeen billion dollars. Yep. How much did he? How much did he buy them for? Do you remember? Four. Four billion. Yep. Quite the investment
0: that was. <laughs> and they don't even have all the characters out yet because they just finally got the Fox characters. So yeah. now they have Fantastic Four and the X Men that can come in. They have all the X Men. This is where things get tricky, right? Because certain characters either were licensed or licensed out in perpetuity. So the Hulk, I believe, cannot have another movie with his name in it. For how long? Until they buy the rights back from Universal, and Universal isn't going to sell. They don't, they, but those rights don't have a. I don't know if expiration they have a date. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'd have to look more into that. That'll so why be doesn't a, Universal just make the movie? Because you'll run into the same problem that Sony's run into, is how do you make these movies with characters that you know... Two words,
1: alternate universe. They're doing it with DC. Why not, just,
0: it. I, why not just be
1: like, okay, that's fine. Go take one of the popular runs. I know we're off, off the rails here. Go take a popular run from the Hulk series and be like, this is an alternate universe. We're doing our own Hulk movie. They did it with James Bond when the, um, what was the name? Majesty Casino... Secret Service was not even, it's a different company. Right. So yeah. just do that. Oh, no, I take it back. It was I, I take Casino it back. Casino Royale, wasn't it? No, no, no. Yeah. No, well, Casino Royale was Woody Allen. All oh, um, right uh on her Majesty's Secret Service was the Lazenby movie and then after that Connery came back to do one of the mm-hmm. bonds but it was um it was not a the broccoli cr- production right it, right
0: would you did the, the Broccoli family right just just them. do that just I don't know what to do your it.
1: nose in Disney and Marvel Studios face and do your own movie. well that's what
0: Sony's doing there you go so yes so Sony owns what what what's this episode about again Marvel <laughs> Studios. <laughs> Universal owns Hulk. This is why you can't get a new Hulk movie in the title, but he could be with the other characters. Mm. There's the the agreement between Sony and Spider-Man and Marvel about, you know, how to use the Spider-Man character in the Spider-Man universe where Sony is going to play in it with Morbius and Spider-Woman and Venom. So those are not going to be, those are going to be part of the Marvel
1: student. No. (laughs) Will there be a different Spider-Man with those? No,
0: I don't believe so. So
1: Tom Holland's going to be in a movie with Tom Hardy as Venom
0: possibly okay whatever
1: i don't yeah, care whatever it's, it's all it's all messed up anyways yeah.
0: everything's always all over the place and that's fine but yeah this is where we are with marvel studios they are now entering into tv shows and disney plus and we're waiting patiently sort of possibly <laughs> for the movies to come out in theaters oh, they'll if come we out. could ever go back to theaters well they'll come out they're just not going to do money
1: right they're not going to do the money they, they they hope they'll do so but yeah they'll come out and then they'll just do all right <laughs> all right so that's it Thanks for recommending. Well, you don't have recommended. Well, I had the, the,
0: uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, sure I sure already call. blew that recommended reading. Yeah, I already All blew right. the recommended All reading. Right. So Sorry about that.
1: that's the history of Marvel Studios in a condensed nutshell. As Pat said, they did it. <laughs> um, so join us next week. We are going to be returning to our regularly scheduled uh, phase uh, one, bro- phase two broadcast, where we talk about Iron Man 3. And then we'll start talking about the phase two movies. Um, so this is the last of the bonus episodes. And until, I guess, in between phase two and three. Yes. We we'll hope you That's enjoy. Um, if you have any questions or you want to tell us that Pat Pat's wrong or tell me that I'm wrong, feel free to jump on the comments. Feel free to contact us. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. And we're also at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Just look for yet another MCU podcast. That's us
0: absolutely Remember uh, to rate yeah. review subscribe and all that fun tell your, stuff tell
1: your friends tell kevin feige that pet called my nerd and uh that's it we'll see you next week for iron man 3 thanks guys